Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. News of this spread through all that region. What's it mean? It simply means this. When Jesus changes a life, especially a life like this, that man says is impossible, hope spreads everywhere. That's what a changed life does. That's why we're here. So that people's lives can come in contact with Jesus who can say to them, hey, come on, it's okay. Your life's gonna change. Don't get discouraged when the world laughs at you for claiming that whatever problem they're facing, God can fix it. They may have even come to you in response to the miraculous change they've seen in you as a result of your diligence, focus, and faith in God. It's when we ignore the repercussions of going against the grain of a culture bent on tradition and dead religion that we start to break the cycle of insanity, one destructive habit at a time. Listen in today to hear how a dad who had a lot to lose socially laid it all on the line spiritually, which impacted the world eternally. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Proverbs, chapter 21, verse 5, with our continuing study entitled, Wise Enough to Change. And Jesus was going to say to them, well, we're going to have to do something. We're going to have to have some new wineskins here. We're going to have to have a whole new system of doing things because I'm bringing to you the ability to be right with God because of grace, not the law. What he was really saying was this. Jesus was going to institute a new system. It was called the church. We find it in the book of Acts. And the church in the book of Acts would include both Jew from the old and Gentile. It would mix them together. They would become one. You can find that if you want to study a little more in Ephesians chapter 2.16. This whole new body, this new system, this new wineskin would be based on grace and the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So what does that mean? Jesus was trying to say this, religiously, as you watch me live for these next three years, it's totally out of the boundaries of what you think God can do. You're going to see a brand new thing. And I cannot fit my ministry into this old legalistic, it will not work. So away with the old, here's the new. You're going to have to remain flexible. You're going to have to be open to the things God is telling us to do here in the New Testament. Now, how does that work for us today corporately? And then I'll get back to us individually. Well, corporately, how does that work? Do you know back in the early 70s, God said in this country, 
out on the West Coast when a bunch of hippies who wouldn't bathe, had dirty feet, probably never had nail clippers, walked into this little church because they'd been strung out on drugs for a long time. And they finally said this, we're looking for something real. Now they tried the regular churches and the regular churches had nothing to offer them because the regular churches, many of the regular churches at that time had become what? Rigid, hard, man's doctrine, nothing fresh, nothing real. Do you know? That's how Calvary Chapel got started. That was in the 70s. God looked down and he said, hmm, we got a problem here. We got a generation of kids that have tried everything and they're dead-ended. Where can I send them? Well, I guess we'll start new with this little church of 25 people. That's how Calvary Chapels got started. Today, 900 plus churches in the United States, many all over the world, many very similar churches to Calvary Chapel. It's not just Calvary Chapel. What happened in England? As you understand England, there are more mosques than there are Christian churches. How'd that happen? The church became what? Inflexible, no truth, nothing. God's gone. He's left. There's a few churches trying to start again in England because God left them. You see, so corporately, we have to be very careful ourselves. Here's the danger, and it's a true danger. If we're not careful and remain flexible to the things of God, being flexible to things of God doesn't mean we go outside of this. Now, we've seen too much of that over the last few years, and we've seen that over and over and over and over and over again. You never go outside of this. But if we get away from this, guess what God will do with Calvary chapels? Close them up. He'll find a new group of people that are willing to obey God's word. You say, well, that couldn't happen, could it? Sure, it could happen. Now, it doesn't happen corporately like that. It happens with us individually, in individual churches, and we begin to change. So let's look at our own lives quickly. Three things. As individuals tonight, we must be careful not to become indifferent insensitive or hard-hearted let me ask you as a christian point blank right to you have you become saved satisfied and stuck in your walk with god christian have you put god in this box and limited him are you simply going through the motions of religion or are you wise enough to change are you wise enough to say to god I want to experience the fresh manna, the fresh living water, a fresh relationship with God. If you are, then we'll be fresh and flexible. We'll be what? Fresh and flexible. Who can make you fresh and flexible? Only if you what? Allow him. See, as you leave tonight, you say, well, that pastor wanted me to be fresh and flexible. Forget it. Forget it. Or, I'd like to be another time. Still don't get it. Still don't get it. It's now that we need to be fresh and flexible. That brings us to the last point. I'm not through yet, though. Just be flexible. Turn to Proverbs 21.5. Keep your finger there right in, uh, in Matthew. We'll be back shortly. In uh, Proverbs 21.5, here's the danger that we come to. Point number six is this. Real change really changes us. They say, well, that doesn't even make sense. Well, read it again. 
Real change really changes us. Proverbs 21.5 says this, The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. What that verse means is, if there's going to be change, and it's going to be real, there's going to be a word none of us really enjoy too much about. There's going to be discipline involved. Discipline. Now, one of the greatest dangers is this. You have to understand that you just can't allow the emotion of this situation to be the cause for change. It has to be God pointing out an area in our life that needs to change. That's a danger. You have to be aware of that. You have to be aware of that in your own life, individually. I was talking to my daughter this week, Stacy, out in, uh, she lives in Denver. And she was sharing with me that somebody who knew she was a Christian finally had come to her and began asking her about God. And she'd been waiting for that opportunity. And the person began to ask her and go into all these questions and whatever. And as she went into them and talked about, well, God's word and the Bible and neat things and you don't have to be afraid and God's word is true and you can really know God and, and all the rest, this individual just began to turn off. And Stacy said to me, why do they come and ask you and then when you give them the truth, they don't want to change? Well, that's because Satan has what? Blinded their eyes. And they see that it's not going to be a what? Quick fix. It's going to be a radical change in their life. And this is a disservice often the church has done when we present the gospel. Maybe you've been in a church sometime that said this, just come to Jesus Christ. That's all I have to do. Just come to him. Say, God, come into my life. I've forgiven my sins. And then just go on with your life. That is not at all what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches a radical transformation. Now, God will help us. But see, many people are disillusioned with that. So what does that mean? Listen to what I've written. Real change will really change us. Just having an emotional response or good intentions will never change us. Second, simply making a verbal commitment. Simply saying with my mouth, I, I really want to change. Will not do it. Words are easy to say. Life change must come. Many people, and I wish that wasn't true, and I'm not trying to produce it as if it is true, but I guarantee it will be. We'll go back to their old lifestyles. We'll go back to their old way of priorities. Many Christians who haven't been in church, quote Christians, for a long time, they had to dust their Bible off. They had to find it. Maybe that's you tonight. We're glad you're here. But I want to tell you something. Unless there's real change, you will go back to your old, carnal, sinful way of living. And you better be afraid. Because we need to be ready to go when God comes. So see, that's a danger. So real change is really going to change me. Now, I'm not going to be perfect. Lord, help us. There aren't any of us. But it is going to change me. Real change comes from an ongoing relationship with God. And how does that show itself? It evolves itself into a habit. So if you're really going to be changed in your life, if I'm really going to be changed in this new area that God's going to point out to you, it, it's going to take some time to allow that to become part of my life. 
Now, the secular world, and some of this is true, and, and I think there is some truth to it. I don't know. How, certainly, you can't find a biblical answer for this. But many secular people believe this, that to create a new habit in your life takes 21 days. So let me expand it and make it 30. So what does that mean? If I'm going to really change, you, you know how we really change in January, don't you? And we're going to go on these big diets and everything's going to be great. We're going to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning, exercise for 3 hours, and our whole life's going to change. It don't make it 21 days. Now, if it does make it 21 days, you have a very good chance that you've what? You've created a new habit. You created a new habit. So it's the same spiritually with us. Now, the next thing is this. When, when this habit evolves, it's going to require discipline. Now, who's going to do the discipline? <laughs> I'm coming to your house. No, I don't have time to come to your house because I'm working on my own what? Change. So I can't come to your house. But it's going to require discipline. And what does discipline require? Number three, godly discipline requires the right focus. It requires commitment. It requires time. And sorry, it requires work. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, train yourself to be godly. Train yourself to be godly. Now, flip back with me to Matthew 9. Let me give you a real quick story. A real sh- you still with me? A real quick story to show you in the Bible how it requires us to continue to be flexible. Matthew 9.18. Here's what happened. Jesus, right after the passage we were reading, meets a, a ruler. I'll just tell you the story because of time. He meets a Jewish ruler from the synagogue named Jairus. This ruler comes to Jesus and he says this. My 12-year-old daughter is dying. And by the way, in, during this process, she dies. So here's this ruler who is a leader of the old, brittle system. The Pharisees hated Jesus. They wanted him dead. This ruler has to change. He's tried everything. His daughter's dying. In the passage you see here, and I'll just tell you about this. He comes and he kneels down before Jesus. Is that being flexible? See, that's coming to someone that you're unsure of, except he knew, he had heard that Jesus was a miracle worker. He had faith that if anything was going to happen, his old dead religious system wasn't going to do it. So he comes to Jesus. He's hoping for a change. He has new humility. He has new faith. Now, As we go on, look at verse 23. When Jesus finally gets to this ruler's house, he's going to go and help. You see there the professional flute players and the noisy crowd. In those days at a funeral, you'd have professional mourners. They were already mourning the death of this young girl, 12 years old. They were already in the process. Look what Jesus says in verse 24. Go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. Now she... As we saw with Lazarus, remember he said Lazarus the same way. What what he's saying there is this. She's not dead unto death because I'm going to raise her up. This is going to be the very first time that Jesus raises somebody from the dead. Now, with that response, look what they say to him. They, what? They laughed at him. See, Jesus knew that God could change any situation, even raise somebody from the dead. The people laughed at Jesus' words. Don't be discouraged when the world laughs at us when we say to them, whatever problem you have in your life, whatever addiction, whatever broken relationship, God can fix it. 
Oh, God can fix it. Look at verse 25. After the crowd had been put outside, Jesus wouldn't stand for their laughing, so he put them outside. And we know from one of the other passages, basically puts Peter, James, and John's and the girl's parents into this room. And he, he takes her by the hand and basically says to her, little girl, I say to you, arise. And she becomes alive, fresh, and flexible. Why? Because a dad was humble enough to change. A dad who was on the dead religion that had no hope was humble enough, flexible enough to say, I don't care about my job. I don't care about the synagogue. I don't care what people say. I don't care about anything. I come to a dead end and I need help. And from that help, look at the last verse in verse 26. News of this spread through all that region. What does it mean? It simply means this. When Jesus changes a life, especially a life like this, that man says is impossible, hope spreads everywhere. That's what a changed life does. That's why we're here. So that people's lives can come in contact with Jesus who can say to them, hey, come on, it's okay. Your life's going to change. Now, first of all, Remember Philippians 4.13. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. I want you to pick one of these areas. You, you might have to pray about it. God will have to direct you. But I want you to pick one of these areas and begin to make it a habit. Say, God, I want to change. I want to grow. And there's many more than this, but these are just some. You, you might have some others. Number one, some of you have never joined a small group. We have lots of small groups. Begin praying about it. Now, it takes more than praying about it. It means going and signing up for one. A men's group, a woman's group. Number two, men. Some of you have never been to a men's conference. Make a change. It'll change your life. Number three, here's one I'm going to really push. Buy a Christian book and read it. Many of you, and by the way, I don't take that over the Bible at all, but many of you have never been challenged by great Christian authors. There's some tremendous Christian authors that can just challenge you. Get a book. Read it. See, what that does, it keeps you fresh. It challenges you. They'll be based on biblical principles. By the way, those of you that think ginkgo and whatever, this also keeps your mind sharp. <laughs> Reading a book keeps your... I'm serious. I know many of you are already doing that, but many of you have never read a book. Next, buy a tape or a CD of one of the services. Listen to it again. Get the one from tonight. Do something you've never done. You bought a tape, you go home and you play it again for your devotion this week. You'll be shocked at how many things you never remember me saying. Is that true? You'll be shocked. And as you go through it again, you go, whoa, whoa, we gotta write that down, whoa, whoa, whoa. And when you're finished with it, pass it on. I can't tell you how many wonderful testimonies I get. People all over the country. Someone wrote me this week, somewhere else, somebody sends them the tapes every week, and she got a tape from a few weeks back, and she said exactly what I needed was on that tape that I put in the tape recorder. Well, that's God. Next, begin serving in a new area. Some of you aren't serving yet. Find an area. Look for it. Be wise enough to change. Be wise enough to change. Now, Christian... Maybe it's prayer that you need to change in. Write it down. I don't know what God's going to say to you, but don't leave here tonight unchanged. Don't do it. You change. God will change your heart.
Now, it'll be exciting to see what's taking place in our life. Remember, real change really changes people. So I'd expect to see some things different in your life. Look at this last verse I have for you tonight. The teaching of the wise is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. Because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, the same power that raised Jairus' daughter and Jesus is available to us. There are some of you here tonight, let me just say this as kindly as I can, you're dead spiritually. You've never asked Jesus Christ into your heart. Some of you used to serve God and you haven't. You've gone away and you've changed and you need to come back to God tonight. Are you wise enough tonight to change, to be born again? Are you wise enough tonight to leave your old life of sin and once again find forgiveness from God and a guarantee of heaven? Are you wise enough tonight like Jairus, who when he knew he had no hope, listen, he did this, and I'm going to ask some of you to do this tonight. It's going to be different for you. That's all right. Jairus came and he kneeled at the foot of Jesus. Why did he do that? In front of all those people, he did that. Do you know why? Because he was serious. You need to be serious about God. Some of you come tonight and there isn't a person in this building here by accident. And as you leave, you'll leave in one of two states. Either born again, fresh, you have the Spirit of God in you. Or you'll leave unchanged. It's a dangerous place. It's a dangerous way to leave. And I, I want to encourage you tonight. There's four things you, you need to do. Some of you need to come. Some of you need to come back to the Lord. By coming, you're saying this. I want to change. I want my life. I want my life to be different. I want my sins forgiven. I want to go to heaven. I want to know that one day, that no matter what happens in this world... I'm going to heaven. For you to do that is humbling. But that's the way we come to God. We say, God, I need you. And you'll change. God will change your life drastically. You'll be born again. So you can't do it yourself. God stands at the door of your heart right now. He wants to change you. But you have to allow him. Just as a Christian has to allow him. If you're not sure tonight, if you're not sure you're a Christian, then you're not. And you need to become, humble yourself before God, and He'll change your life. It's a great lifestyle. It's an awesome lifestyle. Don't leave here tonight without knowing God. Wise up already. We've been learning that we need to be wise enough to change. Remember, real change always begins with Christ. And whether you're in need of salvation or restoration, you have to start there. Along with Pastor Mark's list of things we should do to help break some bad habits, let's ask God to make us flexible to His will. When God's people apply God's Word, they can be certain that supernatural change and growth will occur. Thanks so much for joining us today. Pastor Mark will continue to go through this series in the next edition of Lessons for Living. 
To add today's message to your study library, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. The cost for each CD is $5, and that includes shipping. Again, to place an order for a CD, simply log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and select the Order a Message option from the main menu. Now here's Josh with today's message number and title. Thanks. The message number from today's broadcast is 4017. And the title of this message is Wise Enough to Change. Again, the message number is 4017. And the title of this message is Wise Enough to Change. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time here on Lessons for Living as we continue with this series of teachings from the book of Proverbs. Pastor Mark will explain the important difference between human and biblical hope. Hope is basic to all life and essential for our survival, and it's how you define it that makes your life hopeless or hopeful. Hopefully, you'll tune in next time because you'll learn there's hope for you yet. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue sharing with us from the book of Proverbs. That's next time on Lessons for Living. Let us hear your lessons.